In the absence of light, there's suffocating darkness. The curse of sin has brought loneliness, pain, separation and death. But God spoke light into the darkness, bringing order, creating life, giving freedom, bringing joy. In Christ, he has spoken his final word, and with that word, he is still speaking. We are listening. For we are his church, a people created to make him known, a people of light, bringing hope where there's only hopelessness. We are missionaries sent by God into his world to speak his word. It's who we are and it's why we exist. He calls us, he compels us, and he's commissioned us for his kingdom. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So we answer his call. We go, we make disciples, we train leaders, we plant churches. Because every church planted is a new community of change and transformation. A community where his people flourish. Disciples multiply. Relationships are reconciled. Marriages are restored. The lost found. The poor remembered. The widow served. The orphan embraced. Grace upon grace. This is why we exist as a diverse global network of church planting churches. God is glorified as the name of Christ is made famous and we experience his beautiful redemption in our churches, impacting our neighborhoods, our towns, our cities, our nations. This is the hope for the world. We've been called and this is our response. This weekend, we have the incredible opportunity together uh, to dialogue a little bit about the global realities that are around us and our invitation, our privilege, our responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to step into those global environments and be change agents for the gospel. We are going to spend some time this weekend in what we hear at Mosaic in our annual calendar called Mission Serve Global, where we get time to dialogue a little bit about what's going on in and through this church in the global environment so that you are not unaware of what we are up to as a church and so that you know what part you can and should play in the story. Because all of us are called not only into the local story but into the global story of impact that is around us. Uh, if you have never had the opportunity to travel into some of the more difficult parts of the world, some of the third world, what we call third world parts of the world, let me tell you that as you enter into our global environment, there are massive needs on our globe. Uh, if you think that life exists in the rest of the world like it does for us, you have not had the opportunity to go to the places I have had the opportunity to go. 
I have been in places where the level of abject poverty, the level of, of, of struggle, the level of survival is beyond imagination. I have been in places where people cannot eat because they do not have food. Places where parents have to give their children up because they cannot take care of them because they do not have enough resources literally to feed them. I've been in places where uh, a luxury like water without diseases is not available. I've been in places where if you break something or sprain something or cut something, the likelihood that you will die from that is very high because there is no medical care available in any place you can get to easily. I have been in places where children live by themselves in their homes because their parents have died of AIDS. So the, the globe is a mess in every way as you travel into it. And, and this mess is not the compelling reason that drives us to get involved, though it certainly could be, right? This mess is just a confirmation for us as a church that the invitation, the responsibility, the calling of Christ for us to be involved in a redemptive manner is necessary and is important. That's what that confirms to me. Because the compelling reason to get involved in the globe is not the need. The need will will slowly diminish as we get busier and busier with our lives and more distracted by the kingdoms we're building for ourselves if that is the only reason we're compelled. But the reason we are compelled as a church to get involved globally is because of what we just spent our time worshiping God with. Where we say, man, uh, Jesus, the fact that you came and died for me and rose from the dead, this is unbelievable to me. Jesus paid it all, so all to him I owe. That's what compels us. What compels us to engage locally and globally in redemptive living is that we have been redeemed that we have been rescued, that our souls are rescued, our future redeemed, our purpose restored. This is the gospel, right? We come back to this every single week because it is the single central reality that now informs our lives in every relationship, resource, and circumstance. The gospel says that though we were lost to the incredible story of God, freedom, life, light, and the intimacy we had with God and our purpose to display that freedom to one another, though we were lost to that in our decision as a human race to choose our own divinity, our own destiny, our own story for ourselves when we ate of the fruit in the garden that was forbidden, thinking it would make us like God, but discovering all it did was killed us. When we lost that, the story of the gospel is that Jesus came to our planet because God was writing a story of our rescue so that he would redeem, that is to buy back from the dead, redeem our story, our soul, our future, and our purpose. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he did not only give us a means by which we can go to heaven so that we can have eternal life uh, floating around on some wings. Okay, that, that, is, that is not the intent. He didn't just say, survive the planet, and then when you die, you get happiness. That was not the purpose of his redemption. The purpose of his redemptive work was to set us free completely, including eternity. But eternity begins now. In the Bible it says, Jesus said, for this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So I am living 
out eternal life right here on the stage because I know Jesus and I know God. And so eternal life is the movement of redemptive life into the darkness. And do we live on a dark planet? Yes, we do. Are there beautiful things on this planet? Yes, there are. But I'll tell you, there is some darkness. And we are called and invited to advance into the darkness. Listen to what Paul says um, in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 14. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also in Rome. Do you hear Paul's attitude? Since I have discovered the gospel, I'm eager to preach it to whomever I find. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 1, 19, he says this. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. He says, when I preach the gospel, I'm not not doing it to get something. I'm not boasting in it. Here's why. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He encountered the gospel. And now he says, I am under this weight and obligation to live my life in a manner that preaches the gospel. Because necessity demands it. Look at the world. The world is dying and we have life and so we carry life into the world. This is what drives us to get involved locally and globally, but it is what drives us to get involved globally because globally is complicated, right? Locally, not so complicated. Locally is a decision you make. You get up in the morning, you decide, are you going to get involved locally? Globally is costly and and complicated and difficult because you you got to figure out environments and cultural context and transportation that isn't just your car and all these other things. What drives us to stay involved, keep getting more involved in the globe is this incredible reality of the gospel that we get to go into the darkness and advance into the darkness. So considering all this, what does it look like for us as a church to be involved globally? What is this global story we are part of? Well, when we step into a global story, There are two ways that we get involved globally, okay? The first way is we go. (laughs) It sounds silly, right? But if we don't go, we can't get involved, right? We've got to go. So we raise up men, women, and children in our midst to go into the global environments at the cost that it, that it takes, whether on very short bursts, whether on medium bursts, or whether on lifelong bursts. We shoot them out into the globe and we send them, we go, our church goes. So people from this church here go into the global environment. That's one way that we do it. The second way that we do it is we partner. So we go and we partner. Who do we partner with exactly? We partner with those who have already gone that we didn't send. You with me? There are people we send, but there's also people that went long before we sent anyone, and they're already in the global environment doing what we want to do there, doing things that resonate with our understanding of the gospel. And so we go and find those people, and then we come alongside them, and we partner with them. Partnering with someone globally is very different than supporting a missionary, okay? I've been part of churches that have a board with hundreds of missionaries on it, and that means that they send somewhere between $10 and $50 a month to each of those, okay? I know missionaries. $10 a month, don't get me wrong, it's, it's not a, a, a horrible thing, it's fine, but when you've got 400 churches supporting you at $10 a month and every one of the 400 churches requires a newsletter monthly and a visitation when you're on your vacation, that is an exhausting exercise. 
And so we do not feel it is valuable for us to call ourselves partners with someone on the ground if we are simply sending them a small check. So we find people that we can resonate with deeply and then we engage with them on massive levels to make sure that we partner with them to make sure that they are supported fully by us as a church. This is what we call a partnership, not just support. So as we step into partnerships and as we equip people to send them, there are two major areas we look at as we push people out and as we find partners because these are the areas we understand the gospel compels us into. The first area is church planting. We want to see churches planted. That wasn't our idea. That was Jesus' idea. Jesus was the one that said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not stand up against her. Jesus was the one that said, the church is my body. That's a big deal when you call something your body, right? I mean, you and I, we protect our bodies at all costs, don't we? When someone violates our body, that's a very bad thing. So when Jesus said the church is my body, that's a big deal. Jesus said the church is my bride. Okay, you don't call someone your bride and then not protect her with all of your life. You will even lay down your body to protect your bride, or you ought to at least. And so as we look at the church, the church matters to Christ. The church is a force to be reckoned with. The church is a force of redemption, a force of life, a force of freedom, a force of light. And so we want to see churches planted because churches that understand the gospel will in their local environments live out that gospel and make change. We ought to be doing it here so that they don't have to send missionaries from China or South America or Africa to come to this West Orlando area. Why not? Because we're here. But you see, when we're not doing our part, then they're going to have to send somebody else to come, right? The local church is supposed to be involved, so if we plant local churches, that's going to be awesome. We also look for partners that are involved in mercy and justice, because the gospel brings mercy and justice, so wherever there is mercy and justice, there is a redemptive experience. So we look for people that understand that they're planting churches that are going to be full of mercy and justice, and we look for people that are full of mercy and justice, recognizing that they need to do that through the local church. Do you see the tie there? So every partner we have is either working through the local church in mercy and justice or planting churches that will become full of mercy and justice so that we can see the redemptive reality of the gospel go out. So when we look for our partners, this is what we try to find. And then when we find partners or we've equipped people to send them and they become our partners in the global environment, then we jump in and we support them fully with all that we have here so that they know that we are with them. We are partnered with them. So over the last few years, we have moved from having a partner to two or three partners to four or five partners because, again, partnership is a big deal to us. It requires a great deal of time, energy, and resource from us. And so we didn't want to jump into 20 partnerships because then we can't sustain the kind of commitments we're making. So we slowly grew until where we are today. And today, we are in a big story globally. Uh, We have today, in our midst, 15 global partners in 14 countries that we are partnered with. Some that we had the privilege of sending out from here. We went, 
and now we partner with, and some who we discovered along the way in environments we felt called to, and we stepped into their stories and came alongside them. So today, as we stand here, 14 countries, 15 partners that we are deeply, intimately, significantly involved in. That's what our church is up to globally. That's what you are part of if you are involved here with your time, treasure, and talents, right? So that's what we are up to. So uh, our partners, they range across the globe. A couple of examples. We have Jay and Luciana in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, Jay and Lou lived here in the central Florida area. They had a beautiful house that they owned here. He was the executive pastor of a, uh, a fairly large, growing church. Everything was going very well. Uh, she was having a great time here. The kids were in school here, young kids at the time. Everything tracking the way you would imagine it should track. Felt the call to Brazil packed all of their stuff, moved there, went through the hassle of all of that, raising support, you know the craziness, and now live in Rio de Janeiro where Jay and Lou uh, are the catalysts for an incredible church planting movement uh, where they have planted a church and are training pastors. In fact, next week I have the privilege of jumping on a plane Monday night, flying out there and, and, and speaking at a conference for hundreds of pastors throughout the Brazil region uh, who are being trained to plant, to launch, to continue to pastor well churches, and then I'll fly back on Thursday, so don't worry, I'll be here for the weekend. So, um, so it's just an incredible thing to see what's happening in Brazil through partners like Jay and Lou. Uh, we have Brandon and Natasha who are actually visiting with us this weekend, super excited about having them here. Uh, they are in Cambodia working among women that have been uh, captured into the human trafficking trade and rescued out of that now, and they are reintegrating them into normal life. An incredible thing they're doing there. Brandon and Natasha were here living a comfortable life in Winter Park, had a little house there that they loved uh, with their story. He was a teacher. Everything was going well. They, were, uh, they, they had their daughter. The, things were traveling. And then they, uh, they sensed this deep calling into the global environment. And after being trained here, sent out to Ethiopia, living there with their family, and then uh, coming back from Ethiopia and shooting out to Cambodia, and now with uh, their three little kids living in Cambodia, and, and massive influence in that. This is what our partners look like. These are examples of the kinds of people we are partnered with. Movements taking place globally that are uh, from church planting to justice and mercy. And this is what it looks like. Now, uh, when we talk about partners, what does it mean that we come alongside our partners? You ought to know this because when we say we partner with people, you ought to know that this church you're part of, uh, this is what it means. Number one, we want our global partners to feel connected to Mosaic. They, we don't want them to feel like they're out there in the globe by themselves and once in a while they get a check from us, here you go. That, that, is, that is not how we want them to feel. We want them to feel deeply connected to the story here, like we're actually a partner. So we want them to know what we're up to locally. We want them to be able to share with us what they're up to globally. And then we want to share learning. So we Skype with our global partners every month. Every month we jump on those incredible technological devices and have coffee with them right over a computer screen. And when we're doing that, we're talking about their family, their parenting, their marriage, their devotional life, their missional life, how they're doing, what they're struggling with, how we can pray for them. We know our global partners' struggles intimately. We know what uh, allergies just developed in one of their children. We know what their last medical visit was. We know uh, what food they don't like this week. We know these things because we are constantly in 
involved via Skype with them. I'm jumping into those Skype sessions regularly as well so that I have a presence with them as well and they get time to just hang out and I consider it one of my responsibilities to pastor them uh, during their journey there as well. So we're doing that regularly. Uh, We encourage our missional communities to, to make contact with them as well. We want them to feel connected. We want them to feel supported by Mosaic Church. Remember a few months back, we got those cards out and we all wrote cards. We had all the global partners on here and you picked a global partner and wrote them a card. Well, we gathered all those thousands of cards, literally divided them up into all the different missionaries and then started the tedious process of trying to figure out how to get those cards to them because they're in global environments where that is not an easy task. Some just got mailed, yay! Some of them had to be transported and secret backpacks in and out of all sorts of places to get it to them. Woo! Some of them got stuck in customs and were read before they arrived. I mean, it's amazing what they go through. But all of our global partners received their cards and they have, every time we've Skyped with one of them, and they just, they, they, they've sent us pictures with cards all over their beds, and, and they're just, just absolutely overwhelmed that they would receive all of this encouragement. One of our global partners said they got all the cards, and they've, they're just opening one a day. So they're all still sealed in their room, and every day they're opening a new one so that the encouragement can just continue coming. This is what it means to support our global partners, to regularly on a quarterly basis send things, engage with them, let them know we're thinking about you. You are not forgotten. You are not a side note to us. We understand what you're going through. We want our partners to be served by Mosaic. And the way we serve them is that we go. So we send teams from Mosaic on short-term trips to go to our global partners to engage with them according to their needs, right? So that's why what we don't do here is we don't say, what country would you like to visit this year for a missions trip? Oh, Jamaica, let's go do that. I'm sure we can find something there that somebody needs painted, right? We, we don't do that, okay? Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with painting stuff. I'm just saying, typical American missions is, we've, we went there last year, no point in going back to the same tourist spot twice in a row. What we do is we have our 14 global partners, 15 global partners, and what we do is we ask them, what do you need? Do you need VBS uh, uh, people? Do you need construction people? Do you need doctors, nurses? Do you need, do you need someone to come hug you? And just stand there and hug you over and over again. Are you that, are you that lonely? What, what is it you need? Do you need, do you need uh, training? Do you need, do you need a businessman and woman to come and help you launch things? I mean, what is it you need? And then they tell us, and then we put teams together that match their needs, and then we send those teams. We also try to make sure our teams go over and over again to the same place so that the missionaries also feel like, oh my gosh, it's it's you again because connection is a big deal to them. And so this is how we try to support our partners as we go. Our partners are connected, they are supported, and they are served by us. So as we walk into the present reality of our, 14, of our, of our 15 partners in 14 countries, we also recognize that uh, the story only begins here. It doesn't stop here. As resources continue to increase in our midst, we want to continue to expand into more and more global partners. I'm not just talking about financial resources, although that's one of the components. I'm talking about the ability we have as we have more and more people engaged in our story, more and more missional communities, more and more staff that we can engage with more and more partners because we have more uh, bandwidth to do it. So we want to raise people up. We want to join with people around the globe. 
As we look to raise people up, we look in our midst here and we try to find a few people that we feel like, oh my, uh, it seems like there's a bit of a calling in you. And then we start, so we start fanning that into flame and then we start training and then we start releasing. I want you to hear a story of an ordinary family like you and I who lived in uh, this area, live still, and their story of being called and engaged and trained and now being prepared to be sent uh, as one of our global partners in 2016. This is one of the stories, one of multiple stories we are currently looking at for 2016 to add to our 15 global partners and jump that to 20 and above. So take a look at this incredible story. So in Ephesians chapter 2, um, God's speaking to us and he's telling us how he's put specific purpose and specific desires into our heart because he wants us to be taking uh, part in the work that he's already doing. And he really deeply desires for us to partner with him in doing that. And so for us, as we've um, over time come to understand that verse, we've seen how our journey has been exactly that, is God putting specific things into us so that we can more effectively carry out the work that he has for us. And I think Heather's gonna tell you about that. Yes, about 14 years ago, we felt like God was definitely wanting us to move overseas to pursue missions. At that time, we lived in Atlanta, and um, I worked for a missions pastor there, and, and God was just really laying it on our heart. And so we decided to go for it. And so we sold everything we had and got into an old VW van and started traveling the country. And then we had um, a family emergency where we felt like God was definitely saying, no, this is not the time. And during that time, I wound up pregnant and we had our firstborn, Esther. And then six months later, I was pregnant again with our son, Silas. And then right after Silas was born, we knew that we had some serious medical issues with him. So we felt like overseas missions at that point was definitely on the back burner for a while, if not indefinitely. And meanwhile, Jordan had always had this dream of becoming a firefighter and paramedic. And we had many conversations where he said, you know, I hope someday I can take all this medical knowledge that I'm learning and take it overseas to do medical missions. But meanwhile, you know, he felt God was calling him here to do firefighting. And so he pursued that. And I was pregnant with our third child at that point in time. And so we definitely felt like it was a season where we were to live on mission here and for Jordan to be doing that and then to also just be trying to get Silas to a more stable spot. So in 2012, uh, we found ourselves in a very interesting spot. Um, you know, we've got four kids, uh, eight and under at this point. Um, size in the middle of a very intense nutritional therapy because we have spent years exhausting tra traditional medicine. And the only way we were getting through that is through the support of, uh, of Mosaic and um, people just rallying around us and helping to carry us through that. But um, it was at this point when all this is going on that we feel God start to, to churn up again this call to missions. And in, in some ways we're kind of like, wait a minute, God, maybe you don't see everything that's going on here. Our plates are pretty full right now. So this is a point where the story gets really crazy. and. We end up leaving the comfortable home that we're living in, in a gated golf community, end up leaving a comfortable job that I'm, you know, moving forward in and have worked so hard um, to get in firefighting and paramedicine. Um, but everything, uh, we, we plugged in well at Mosaic and, and 
lots of great relationships there. But we leave all that and put that behind so that we can step into missions training with uh, Youth with a Mission. So at the very end of 2013, uh, beginning of 2014, we moved on to the property of Youth with a Mission and started their discipleship training school. <clears throat> and so we did the first half of the year completing that school. And then the second half of the year, we went on to do another school, which is the School of Ministry Development, where you really take the vision God's given you and you, you put it down on paper and you kind of work through the details and just figure out how you can then put it into action. And it was after that school that Jordan took a trip to South Africa and just really felt like a lot of what we had put on paper in our school, he was actually seeing the possibility of it playing out in South Africa. Yeah. Again, we're at a point where we don't know how this is going to look um, for us to go overseas. But in November, at the very end of our School of Ministry Development training, um, we take Sai in for another round of testing to see where his disease is. Um, and the doctor comes back to us and says, I don't know what you're doing, but I see Sai as being in complete remission and this is completely unheard of. And so we, everybody is just completely blown away. We have just watched the hand of God on our child do something completely miraculous. And because of that, we see the doors overseas open up again to us. And so that allows me um, to take a trip to South Africa in January of 2015 um, to go over there um, to see if it would really work for our family. And to make a long story short, God completely blew the doors off of it. It was better than we could have even expected. Um, being able to provide for size therapy over there is going to be a dream. Um, getting everything that our family needs over there is just going to be possible for us to do. Not saying it's going to be easy at all. It's going to be a very big change culturally. However, we see that God's putting the things in place so that we can carry out the passions that he's put inside of us. So with the doors to South Africa being open to our family now, um, we are really excited about what the next chapter holds for our family. And we see all these things in our past um, that we're going to be able to use when we get overseas, um, especially my desire for um, justice and healing people, Heather's strong desire for mercy in people. If you know anything about South Africa, you know it's a country that has tremendous needs. I mean, just the HIV and AIDS population there is, is the largest in the world. So we have access to be working directly with HIV and AIDS patients. Um, we have access to um, work with orphanages and orphans who are in child-led households that their parents have died from disease or HIV and AIDS. It's just like God has rolled out this huge thing for our family, and not just for me and my training, but for Heather and for our four children. We see how they're going to play a huge part when we step over there. Um, you know, Sai, who we've mentioned before, and his story of healing, we know that that's going to be used in a huge and powerful way to bring healing to the, to the nation of South Africa in the area that we're going to be working in. So it's going to be very difficult, and um, we know that there's going to be a lot of challenges, but we've seen God be so faithful as we've taken these steps that we are just um, trusting Him to do what He needs to do with our family. So as we listen in to Heather and Jordan's story, here's the deal, right? We want 
to equip all of you to be involved in the global story because all of us are invited to be involved in the global story. Now, if you're panicking for a second and going, I'm leaving the church right now, if you're telling me I have to move somewhere uh, like you know, middle of Africa, we're not quite there yet. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there in the future, but I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, we can and should all be involved in the global story. We, we must in one way or another. So we want to equip you. We want to invite you. We want to, we want to inspire you to find ways to be involved in the global story. Because this is not just about our church organizationally as an organization. It is about, about our church organically. That's you and I as an organism being involved. If each one of us is involved in some way in the global story, then we see change. So there's a number of different ways that we want to see you involved in the global story, considering the fact that God has said to us in Ephesians, you are my workmanship and I have prepared in advance for you works to do, good works to finish. And so we're going to go do that. First of all, we talked to you about going. So there are people like Heather and Jordan and their families that will be invited and called and inspired to step into a long-term, uh, lifelong or number of year commitment on the global mission field. But for many of us, what we can do is step into a short-term trip. So as we look forward uh, past 2015, here's what we have so far in short-term trips to go and support our global partners. In 2013, we sent 27 people on two trips. That was 2013. In 2014, we sent 39 people on four trips. And in 2015, by the end of this year, we will have sent 75 people on seven trips. This will be our largest year yet as we send teams into the global environment to support our global partners. So we are going to invite you as we enter 2016 and beyond to seriously consider going through the uh, costly reality of stepping into a short-term trip somewhere around the globe. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our global partners, to support them. Every one of you has something to bring to the table. It's a matter of matching you up with the right global partner, the right environment, with your right skill set, your right passion points, and engaging you in that. So we would love to see you consider that. From a financial support standpoint, our financial support is going to continue to increase in our global environment because we do it by percentages. Here at Mosaic Church, 20% of our entire budget gets pushed out from this church into the church planting, justice and mercy ministries around the world. So that means that before we do anything internally, 20% goes out. So when we say to you guys, God's called us to take 10% of our income and consider it from a kingdom standpoint, giving it to him directly, uh, don't think that we as a church don't do the same. In fact, we double that and we go to 20% and say, we're going to push that out. That's not going to be of any benefit benefit to us other than engaging in the globe. The other 80%, we do not consider that 80% uh, in terms of trying to make things work here. Let's take 80% and make a nice, comfortable world for ourselves here. The other 80% we spend, we talk about, we think about, we strategize with in terms of equipping you, the saints, to do the work of the gospel locally and globally. So we spend 80% of our budget to get you ready to go right? So if you don't go, that's a lot of money we're wasting, right? So we don't want to do that. And so when we spend that money on uh, the children's ministry, the student ministries, the adult ministries around here, we're doing it to equip you to be engaged locally and globally. And so 
We want you to know that so that you know why you're here. You're here to develop an incredible, devoted passion for Jesus, for the gospel, a clarity of the gospel that drives you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And then we want to equip you to take that passion and locally and globally engage it for the sake of redemption, for the sake of light, life, and freedom. This is our purpose on this planet. So that's what we spend our money on. As the budget every year increases because we become more committed to giving of our financial resources, we have more money to engage in our global partnerships and more money to engage more global partners. And so we will continue to do that. We want to see unreached people groups reached. We want to see orphans rescued. We want to see uh, people pulled out of the human trafficking trade. We want to see poverty elevated. We want to see medical needs and freshwater needs met. We want to see churches planted and working in the local communities, and that's how we're going to do it. We are looking to multiply all of this. So here's our goals as we look at the next five years. Pay attention to this because this involves you, all right? If you are not part of this, then this means nothing. So here it is. Over the next five years, we want to see 500 people from this church go on 50 trips, 500 of you on 50 trips. Now, I'd love to see that even beyond that, but that is going to mean that probably, here it is, probably in the next five years, if you call this church home, you're going to be on an airplane traveling uh, 10, 12, 15, 20, 18, whatever hours it is, into exhausting time zones, walking around poverty-stricken regions to go and spend yourself with a global partner, exhausting yourself, coming back jet-lagged and trying to recover. Okay, it's gonna be awesome. Buckle up. We want to see over the next five years 100 missionary individuals or families sent out into the global environment on some kind of longer term trip. Now, a long term trip, what we don't call a short term trip, is anywhere from six months to a lifetime, six years, 10 years, whatever. So maybe some of you will decide to take six months off or a year off and go into one of our global uh, partner arenas and go step in and serve there for a longer period of time than a week long or a two week long trip. We are wanting to send a hundred of you out there on that level over the next five years. I can tell you right now, the need is extremely strong. Uh, Brandon and Natasha are looking for people to work with their employment center. Do you have business skills, management skills? We need you. Uh, We need teachers in Cambodia, Guatemala, and North Africa teaching English second language as well as other things. We need teachers for the missionary kids. We need teachers for the locals. Uh, In Honduras, we need families to foster family, uh, I mean, uh, uh, to be foster families for the orphanage there to go live there for six months or a year and just care for some of the kids. In South Africa, we need people to develop new business initiatives and others to help grow leadership development programs. In Southeast Asia, we're looking for families to join the team to do discipleship and business development among unreached Muslim people groups. Look, guys, it doesn't matter what your skill set is. The opportunity to be involved for six months or a year or beyond is yours to take, yours to be invited into, and we want to see significant things happen during that time. So, as we consider uh, the mercy and justice side and the church planting side and what it looks for us to be involved, what is your part in the story? How can you get involved? I want to make this tangible for you, okay? Number one, here it is, okay? This seems obvious, it seems silly, but here it is. You can give generously to the story here. Why? 
so that we have more money for ourselves? No, because as the reality and the, and the support and the commitment of the people of Mosaic increases in the financial giving here, we get the resources to be able to dream bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of equipping you, sending you, and engaging with more uh, global partners. So the more generously you give, the more effective we become in the story of the globe. So you can give generously. That is a big way in which we see things change. Number two, you can join a missional community. So you go, hold, hold on, we haven't even, you haven't even talked about going out in the globe yet. No. See, these are the easy, simple ways you can get involved tangibly quickly. Why a missional community? Is this a trick to get me into a missional community? Well, partly because we want you in a missional community. But that's not the primary deal. This is no trick. This is a reality of how our church functions. In the setting here, in the gathering, we are here to be inspired by the Word of God and celebrate through worship. That, that's it, right? But inspiration will never carry you into devotion and mission with your biblical community. That happens in missional communities, and our missional communities are involved locally, engaged, as well as we're encouraging them more and more to find a global partner that they send things to, Skype with, touch base with, get to know, pray for, and all the other things that happen with global partners. So if you want to be involved personally in the global story, join a missional community, and you will be able to do that. So there it is. Give generously, join a missional community. How simple is that? And you're already involved globally. But if you want to get involved globally at the next level, then there are two opportunities that are huge. One is to go on a short-term missions trip. To actually decide now, sometime in 2016, 17, or 18, I'm going to engage in one of these trips, take my skill set and my passion points and bring them to the table so that people can move forward. Uh, I want you to get involved in a short-term missions trip. And... I want you to actually pray about getting involved in a long-term missional reality. Six months, a year, five years, ten years, a lifetime. And you go, what? I want you to pray about it. Do you hear me? I want you just to pray about it. I just, I, I just want you to say, God, Renault's out of his mind. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, if that's what you want for us at some point in our life, feel free to tell us that. Feel free to come and move in us. <laughs> that's so awesome. We're going to have so many missionaries. Thank you, God. You're awesome. Okay. So we want you to get involved in stepping into these environments. We want you to be able to make change. We want you, you individually, to be involved in the global story because this is what the gospel compels us to do. And this is the opportunity we have. So do not miss out on this by not being in a missional community, not considering a short-term or long-term trip, and not giving generously because we want you involved in the story. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We hold life, light, and freedom, and we live on a planet that desperately needs it. How dare we live our lives trying to pursue the comforts and conveniences that we want without being involved in the global crisis that we are called to bring change to on behalf of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your incredible love for us. And the story that is unfolding around us that you've invited us to be part of, may we be a church that never settles for simply being internally focused and forgetting about the local and global environments into which you have called us. May all of us here, 
on a daily basis in the circles of influence we've been given in our social networks, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families, our homes, be engaged on thoughtful missional life. And may we also consider the call globally and make sure that we step into the global environment in tangible ways so that we know that we as individuals are affecting global environments that desperately need light, life, and freedom. May we be people that give generously, people that engage with commitment in missional communities, people that jump on short-term and long-term trips to go and make change. This is why we exist. Help us to see it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.